This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. Hey, you're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 334, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you, all right? One, two, three, four. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 334, where I talk progressively slower after starting very fast. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. All right. And Connor Kilpatrick. You're killing me. (laughs) Killing me. (laughs) Kira. (laughs) Seriously, Real World Season 8, Confession in the Ford Ranger on the side of the road. Awesome. Best reality TV moment maybe ever. Yep. That's that's a little tip for those of you oldsters out there. Aging oldsters killed. <laughs> iFanboy.com is our, is our website about coming. In my mind, Wes, Dodds, Wes Dodley still reports on my eventual death even though I've moved out of New York City. <laughs> Two middle-aged hipsters are found dead in Inwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a murder. Yeah. You're, you're just assuming someone's going to take you down hard. Aging hipsters killed in the horrible bear attack. <laughs> Formerly of Queens. Uh, iFanboy.com is our website. It's about comic books, although you would have no idea about that up until this point. Uh, every week we read a bunch of comic books, and one of us has to pick the one that they like best. We call that the pick of the week. Write about it on the website. We come here, we talk about that on the show for like 10 minutes. And then we talk about other comics for a while. And actually, we've got it timed down pretty well, but you're not supposed to know about that. Uh, and other stuff we want to talk about, uh, like the book of the month, for example, that it's coming up later in the show. Before we get going, we're going to be talking about what happens in the books, because otherwise the show would just be like, that thing? That was cool, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know how he? Yeah, I do. And that wouldn't be very good. So spoilers are in your future if you haven't read your book. So get on that and read them and come back or just throw caution to the wind, which I'm also totally cool with. Ron, pick of the week. Yes. And it was a very special pick of the week because uh, this year, comic book day fell on my birthday. And oh, come on. We know. My pick of the week <laughs> pick was also on that day. Connor, our statistician, has that ever happened before? I think when it has, normally they've swapped out. 
Oh, okay. Well, why didn't I swap out? I don't know. I don't know why either. It was very <laughs> stressful. There's, there's been a pick of the week on a birthday. There's been I had surgery on one of the pick of the weeks. Yeah, uh, that baby. happened. Did, was that a pick of the week day? Yes. No. Yes. No, that was pick of the week recording day. It was, yeah. Oh, right. Well, that's, you had yeah. surgery on recording day, not the actual pick day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. This is why yeah. this is why we employ Connor. He he remembers. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the yeah. What Josh had it? a pick a week on my birthday, but it wasn't mine. I, I think we've always just swapped. For, yeah. uh, for some reason, I just wasn't going to say anything. I was going <laughs> to let you do, let you take it. You just want to see what would happen. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I indulged a little. It was my day. And so I went with Uncanny Exports number 25. And I had a lot of books to read. But sometimes you read a comic book and sometimes you get to the third page and you realize what the writer's doing and you laugh for five minutes in a cab consecutively to the point where the cabbie wants to know what's the matter. And then you go, that's the pick of the week. (laughs) And really what it boils down to was – so this is the 25th issue of Uncanny X-Force written by Rick Remender with art by Mike McCone. And um, and the pivotal pick of the week making scene is an opening scene where uh, Deadpool is tracking someone. Wolverine has him on a recon mission, and Deadpool's doing his normal um, his normal uh, inner monologue, which normally annoys me. But Remender does it just balanced, just enough, just enough humor. Just enough, yeah. And um, and so he's he's going along, and it's it's pretty rapid fire talking, and he's talking, and Wade Wilson is talking about raising money for a movie, and I was like, all right, what is he talking about? And then, and then, I get to the third page, and at the top of the, the book, the narration says, "Was this an opportunity? You bet your ass." And Wade Wilson was prepared, and I went, "He's doing Robert Evans." <laughs> he did a really good Robert Evans. It, it was, was really... a great Robert Evans. <laughs> And for those who don't know who Robert Evans is, Connor, yeah, do you want to explain? Very wrong. Use, the, use the internet. <laughs> use the internet. <laughs> yeah. I, I put a link in my review on ifanboy.com with the Pick of the Week review. You can go see some clips from the ex- excellent documentary, The Kid Stays in the Picture. Um, Legendary Hollywood producer, produced The Godfather, produced, uh, you know, a man big can never pictures. know the heart of a woman. Listen, had his wife stolen by Steve McQueen. He's, you know. Listen, I said, Francis, I want to smell the, the, the tomato sauce. <laughs> going to do a movie about Italian gangsters with a bunch of Jews? What are you, crazy? I want Francis, I said. He's got a slightly pinched nose, which I think is co- uh, cocaine uh, abuse, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yes, he doesn't have a nose. It's all the cartilage is just gone. It's completely gone. He looks, he, he looks worse than Michael Jackson. Michael, I said. <laughs> You're going to have a monkey in the house like that? But it wasn't Did just- he want to have it? You bet your ass he did. How do you like them fucking bananas? <laughs> It wasn't just that um, that scene that that made me pick this book, though. But it, basically, um, really, the 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 phenomenon of Uncanny X Force continues. Like after the Dark Angel saga ended, like Remender totally could have walked away. Yeah, like he did. He did this great thing, and it was fun. But he's <laughs> he's sticking with it and continuing on. And what's great is that the ramifications, like the book has, this book has. Um, there's a cost to what they're doing. You know the idea of this X Force team being, uh, you know, the mutant team that 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 you know makes the makes the tough decisions, so the other uh, X Men don't have to. And Wolverine and and Phantom X and Deadpool and Psylocke are going to kill kill the people who need to be killed without you know being secret and all stuff. Like that that's going to have a cost. And Remender's always talked about it having that cost, and it continues to have those repercussions. And what I th- thought was even more interesting is that Remender's still keeping like the 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 fallout from the Dark Angel saga basically were two major things that happened was that Warren Worthington got his mind wiped and now he's this you know happy-go-lucky ignor- blissfully ignorant um, person who thinks he's an angel 
and um, Apocalypse Kid Apocalypse has been kind of re reborn and now is a is, is a teenager. And both Angel and Kid Apocalypse are dropped off at Wolverine School, and Remender's keeping a toe in there. Like, they're still part of that X-Force world, even though they're, they, they are in Wolverine and the X-Men, and even though they're a big part of that, like, the books are intertwined in that way. And he reminds us with just a couple of scenes in this book that that, that, that does exist, that, that that is still a problem. Um, this is the first issue of the next story arc, which is called The Final Execution, uh, or just Final Execution. And um, there's a lot of coming and going. So Nightcrawler from the Age of Apocalypse world has decided he's going to stick around because he realizes that he can use Wolverine and the team to hunt down his uh, enemies from the Age of Apocalypse world that are now in the 616 world. So we get we still get a little more Nightcrawler. Uh, Psylocke has decided after... After everything that happened with Angel, after in the other world arc, killing her brother, that she's had enough, and so she walks. Uh, Phantom X, because the money is dried up, he decides to walk, but it's really because he and Psylocke slept together, and now she doesn't want him anymore. Um, so you get a little bit of characters leaving, characters go, you know, characters coming, um, and all the while, Deadpool has uncovered the um, on his little recon mission. He's just, he's uncovered a the next villain, which is a uh, a. Not an offshoot, but a regeneration of Omega Red as a villain, and now there's several of them, and and Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Deadpool get into a fight towards the end of it. I, I just like when I think about what I want out of an X Men book, it's what Remender is doing. It's this. It's a combination of high impact action and stakes combined with um, relationships and, like I said, consequences and continued story points, continued things that happen. And you can read a story and enjoy it self-contained, but if you're reading the entire tapestry, it's that much more enjoyable. And, you know, this was just another example of being able to do that. Um, and it had Robert Evans, so there you go. It's a really nice balance. I think what you have here is you have the team falling apart. Yeah. You know, we've had two years now of the team, you know, building this team, this family together, and them dealing with crisis together and leaning on each other because it's very emotionally draining to be on this team. And then they've had enough. Angel's gone. Psylocke is, you know, quote unquote gone. You know, Phantom X is quote unquote gone. And you're you're, you're left with basically the the shambles of your team. And you know what comes out of it may or may not be what came into it. Um, but it's always that pivotal moment in a team book. That's a really good team book where the team yep. faces adversity and doesn't necessarily come out of it. Uh, as they went in, um, and it was it's fun. It's really good. Mike McCone was. Uh, did he change his style? He did. I was gonna, I, and I made that point in my review. He did because he, the I, the last thing I read of McCone was on Spider Man, and it was very, very clean lined, rigid. Like, yeah. It was very kind of that. And I believe the combination of him tweaking his style as well as once again Dean White coming in with that palette. Um, I really thought you know McCone adapted to what he needed to to fit in with the look of X Force. Um, and I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I liked his old style, but it's not bad. It's certainly not yeah. bad. It's just I was expecting a different art when I opened the book up because sure, it's yeah. my phone. But, no, he definitely you know. did tweak his style. He definitely did. Yeah. Now, um, there's there was also two backup stories that were old uh, Remender and Opania stories featuring characters in this book. And I quite liked the Wolverine story, but I quite did not like the Deadpool story. Yeah, well, I think a big part of that was, uh, was the, um, just the fact that I think it was before they had figured it out. Yeah, you know, it, it was Remender writing and Opeña drawing on this Deadpool story, and I don't quite think that they were quite there yet. But um, interesting to see how far they've come. I think interesting to see the Opeña's um, arc as an artist, and the Wolverine story is very quietly influenced. Yes, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah. And then so he's, but you can still see his what he's become in there. Yep, 
Those yeah. are interesting. I, that's a, they were, I, I like the Wolverine story a lot. But, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. The issue was really, really solid, really good. Yeah, it was good. And, and you know, it was, it was 25th issue. It was a buck more, so it was four ninety nine. but it was 40 pages of content. You got those two backup stories, which are, you know, kind of from the archives, from the vault, so to speak. And um, yeah, and it just it's just fun, and and like that's the thing. Like as an X Men fan, it really like the this past year and a half has just been so like so great, and mainly it's been because of Uncanny X Force. So um. I, I want to say that uh, I'm not up to issue on this, but I've finished the first three books. Yep, uh, and I really liked it. Yeah, a lot. right. Right. Uh, uh, even even regardless of the art, some of which I liked and some I didn't. Uh, that the third book is fantastic, the Age of Apocalypse book. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I've never read Deadpool. I've seen him in places where I was like, oh, that's enough for that character. He's funny in this book. I like him a lot in this book. I have no problem with Phantom X in this book, although I know people do for some reason that I don't entirely understand. No, th- this book has made me like. I hated Phantom X, and, and yeah. this book has made me like him a lot. De- Deadpool is um, kind of remembers Id Gone Wild in this book, which is you know. Yeah, it's, well, what's it's funny, but he doesn't get to show up the whole time. So no, it's no, just, it's fine in small doses. What's, yes. fu- what's funny is that when um, so at Emerald City, I I, I crash moderated his remember spotlight panel because he didn't have one and he was freaking out. Um, but and he revealed that he's Deadpool, like he had never read a Deadpool comic before writing the character, and he said he still hasn't. And um, if you're familiar with Remender's work, he did a comic back in the early 2000s uh, called Blackheart Billy, which is about a punk rock skateboarding robot kind of thing. And he said that he's dead. He's just writing Blackheart Billy when he's writing Deadpool, which is Connor. Your point of it, it's his id gone wild. That's all it is. It's the sarcastic, unfiltered. You know what? You know, run, it just happens to be that it's fitting within Deadpool really well. So yeah, um, it's it's entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, good times. But um, yeah, so that was the pick of the week. Um, a strong, strong contender was if you ask me, a must. If you're reading, and here's our AVX update. But if you're reading Avengers vs X Men and you're not reading reading Wolverine and the X Men, then you're missing out because Wolverine and the X Men is actually making this book, uh, making the whole Avengers vs X Men event a lot better for me. Yeah. So yeah, this was this was another great issue. Um, it it manages it, it's it does a really hard job in keeping you know Cyclops and the team come to the Wolverine school and so you've got the whole AVX story that's crashing into the uh, Wolverine and the X Men story, but he manages to do both. Yes, you don't feel like one is you know overwhelming the other, where you still get the development that's happening for the people at the school while the also the crossover has crashed into the book. So I think he did a really good job of balancing the two together. And I think that also the like the tension. Of the AVX issue, like the Wolverine Cyclops meeting and like them talking and stuff like that, like I felt the tension reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you re- you really you know got to under you really get to understand the, the where the the gap and the problem between Wolverine and Cyclops is. And then what I thought was really interesting was the the um, reactions of the other X Men. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like the Iceman a lot. Yeah, me too. I mean, ba- basically, you've got you've got you know the the X Men that are at the school with Wolverine don't agree with Wolverine, and they're siding with Cyclops, and they're going off and they're going off the and so Phoenix uh, or Rachel um, and uh, Iceman and Angel are going off to help Cyclops, uh, which is really interesting. I mean, it, it's another layer to this whole mutant, you know, non mutant kind of dilemma that they've set up in the Marvel universe, and honestly, it's making AVX a lot more enriched in my mind. So, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice tension. You know, Iceman says, you know, he's Scott. He's my oldest friend. He saved my life more than anybody. Of course, I'm going with him. And so then, you know, Wolverine just assumes because they left originally that they're gonna side with him, but. You know, it's it's there's lots of interesting dynamics going on in this event, in this book, and you know, in general. And uh, and again, we can't go without mentioning Chris Pacello, who oh yeah, 
that, that uh, double page spread of them uh, the, of them walking and talking the the walk and talk there the Sorkin moment that yeah. went along the top and then down the right and then across the middle then down the left and along the bottom that was amazing that was great like, he, and, and not once did I question how to read that page yeah, yeah. He, he he brings it he ups a level of tension with his work too yes yeah because it you know it, it can be sort of chaotic but that works in in his favor because the book is very tense and so your eyes are very tense reading yeah um, but it's not like overwhelmingly or badly tense it's, it adds to the story yeah um, great stuff I, I mean I, I picture the book when he Nick Bradshaw's good but when I when, when I picture the book I picture Bachello oh I love Bradshaw I can't wait for Bradshaw to get back but yeah Bachello is good but I did like the moment of in front of the Jean Grey statue when Cyclops says I yeah I got to be honest I don't know whether to thank you or to punch you. Yeah. Like, yeah, because there are all these questions. Because like, because Scott and all of them haven't been to the school; they haven't seen what he's done yet, and it's a huge part of their legacy. So it was interesting to see that happen. Um, and I like the little Krakoa eye kind of following them throughout the whole time. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was good, so good. So we probably guys, we probably should was... spoiler warn, right? What? Oh. What, what, Josh? I had a quick question. Just, I'm I'm curious. Like, how's very quickly? How's Avengers versus X Men? Is it like? Is it there? Are you enjoying it? Are you are you waiting for? I mean, do you, do you and, listen, and do you, we do a show every week? No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> we talked about every issue. It, <laughs> I know we've talked about it, and it's like okay, but now as it's going into the other issues, like you're talking about how it weaves into Wolverine and the X Men. Yeah. Like, how important is it to have read all of the bits, or can or does it actually do the things actually stand alone as they always claim it will? Well, that that's the thing is that like I'm I'm enjoying AVX more from reading Wolverine and the X Men. I don't think you need to read Wolverine and the X Men to read Avengers vs X Men. No, you don't. You don't. But what about vice versa? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's hard to say because we've read them. So yeah, I, I guess I have the knowledge in my head from because this issue takes place before the most recent issue of Wolverine and the X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've already you know it's hard to remove that that information from my brain and say whether well, or not it'll work on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I you don't don't need to tie in issues yet. I mean, there's nothing. You know, you always get more enriched with the tie-in issues, but you don't. Yeah. Well, not always, but you, you know, you can get more enriched. There, but, but not there's been a habit for Marvel and DC both. It, it, some of the tie-in issues have been uh, has been the best parts of these things for well, yeah, that, and that and that's Civil War agreed. Yeah, and I th- and I think that's happening here again too. Yeah, there. Yeah. That's all. So is there an extra spoiler warning? Is that what you're saying? Well, we probably should before we talk about Avengers Assemble. We should probably warn because there's no way to talk about this without talking about the movie. Right, and I don't want to ruin if nobody. Let's, let's just blanket spoiler warning everything that's ever been produced. Okay, let's do so that. Therefore, okay, so you can't blame us. We're, it's right. our disclaimer. But anyways, well, there's going to be some things. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Avengers Assemble number three kind of reveals the the big secret or the big villain that's behind the 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 Zodiac villains of this series so far, and it is Thanos. Shocking. Shocking. Um, so and you know, eventually what wasn't Thanos dead? Yes, I say that like no one's ever come back from the dead. But the last time we saw him was he was dead, right? So he hasn't come back since. Yeah, the Cancer World, the the Nova story, the what was it, Guardians of the Galaxy story? Um, I forget. Oh yeah, the the yeah the Guardians of the Galaxy Cancer World story, Cancerverse that one. Um, yeah, I don't know where that left off with him. I need I don't I gotta go back and dig those back up and read what happened to them. Um, but yeah, people. He, I mean, he's the he's the Mad Titan in love with death, so he keeps dying and coming back all the time. So you know, no, no surprise there. That guy loves death. <laughs> Just can't get enough. <laughs> and death's like such a bitch to him. Um, she is. She I is. know. Well, it's death. Um, I don't know what's going on on the art, but it's not Bagley's finest hour. Uh, interesting. Is he, is he doing anything else besides nope. besides? Nope. Well, uh, I guess I guess brilliant. 
No, that's not that. That was not good either. The one yeah. I sure read. I mean, it's, well, it's he's actually getting so fast now that people can't even talk. To th- him. There is a page. Um, uh, con- I don't know what page number to tell you, tell you it is, but it's. I'm like, not reading. I'm yeah, not reading it. it's um, there's a there's a panel of Maria Hill's head, and it's just, it's she's deformed. I mean, it's just like I was like, oh, like there there's there are there are real bridge panels that are just I don't know if they're rushed or what it is and I look to see it's not you know I don't think it's the inker I think Danny Miki's inker inking it like it's no not like I don't I don't know what's changed other than the fact that I that it it just it seems off you know is the book good the book's all right I mean it's very much the movie I mean it's funny how re- after watching the Avengers movie this book kind of clicks more because it's that t- it's those characters and you're like oh, okay cool they're, you know even though they're the 616 characters um like after watching the movie I got a little more excited to to read it and to watch you know to to are they, are the, so are the characterizations different no, than no, they are in the other books No they they're not they're, I don't think they're different but just seeing them together I mean and honestly it's the green hulk seeing the hulk behind them it's like seeing I'm looking at a panel with Cap Hawkeye Thor and and Hulk and it's you know and like I can't help but giggle and remember the movie so it's working on so that it, level like is the Hawkeye it's the it's it's Marvel more universe six, Hawkeye or is it's six one six. It's more six one six. I haven't I haven't noticed a dramatic change in the characterization where I'm like, oh, that's more like the Ultimates or the movie version or anything like that. Um, but it just it just I think it's more just these characters together. Um, is Nick Fury Jr. in it? Uh, I think he was. What book? Oh no, that was Captain America. No, he's not. He appeared briefly in Captain America. Okay. Yeah, but um. But yeah, but it's eh, that's all right. I mean, so this so these 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 Zodiac characters are being cosmically powered, and it turns out to be Thanos. And that, that was the big cliffhanger at the end. So, hmm. Josh, Demon Knights number nine, I thought did something really smart in that it, it took a character the, with the demon Etrigan, who we we've been suspicious of, who and really just sort of made him a, a more more overt villain, but a secret one. So I guess it'd be a covert villain. But is he? But is he? I think that's the fun thing is that you don't know what the demon is going to do at any given moment. Yeah, I, I, I've got to say that um, this has actually been one of the books in the New 52 that I forget about. But I buy it every month and I like it every month. Maybe, you know, partially because I, I like Paul Cornell's work, but also because it's different. It's interesting in a way that some of the other books aren't because it doesn't have to stick with the same sort of uh, superhero stuff that we, that we see. But it's also very familiar in that way. Um, yeah, at the end of this, I thought, oh, so so he's he's uh, he's betraying them. But then the thing with these demon characters uh, it, throughout DC and like sort of Hellblazer is that none of them are ever telling the truth about anything. So right. it's this constant circular double crossing going on. And and while it appears on the surface that you know, like oh, he's he's selling them out. Uh, but there's like like there's layers upon layers upon layers. Like Xanadu is with him. But she's not. But she, like, I don't even know. And I like that. Um, yeah. The other thing about this issue that was interesting is that, um, and quite bold, I thought, um, is that uh, they're in this kingdom and there's these two princesses. And they said if they don't uh, make their kingdom, if they can make their kingdom the new Camelot, then they can marry each other, the two ladies. And if they don't, then they can't. Uh, but they're in love. Uh, and they're, and it's, it's basically a same-sex marriage uh, parable. Um, which is interesting in in DC Comics, who are traditionally not not ones to step into the the fray, and it's it's not really all that um, uh, you know it doesn't really jive with real life all that much. But it, it's an interesting thing, and if you ever sort of pay attention to the kind of stuff that Paul Cornell finds important, uh, you will see that this sort of fits in with his over very well. Uh, and I liked it; I thought that was a bold way to go. 
Um, I, I really like this issue, just like I had the all the, the other ones before it. Yeah, it's very good. I, I yeah. bailed. Mm. It's not your thing. I, I called. Yeah, I called this week. I bailed. I bailed off of Frankenstein. I bailed off of Demon Knights. I just. I was like, yeah, I'm not having it. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. It's not, okay. It's fine. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, Walking Dead number ninety-seven. No, you offered a blank. <laughs> no, but well, this is there's a Walking Dead exemption for all. The wa- yeah, oh, we all know, everyone knows the Walking Dead exemption on spoiler yeah, no, rules. Come on, I know, I know. <laughs> there's been uh, there's been a bit of a new life in the Walking Dead lately, or where you know the, the, it's one it's one of those books like it's the Walking Dead. You know what you're gonna get. You know it, the last page is gonna want to make you read the next issue. They're building a something though. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are, and yeah, I like it. I just think that there's been there's been some meaningful changes in the past few issues where they 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 found another group of people and then they were like, well, we're not trusting this these people this time. And the guy's name is Jesus. It's probably Jesus, but um, and and this other community has this problem that they are being bullied more or less by this other group of people who make them who make them pay a tribute, basically, of half of their food and supplies. And and in, in return for that, they clear out all the walkers around their community. And uh, don't attack the people in the community. And so basically Rick is like, all right, we can help you with that problem. So now they're hired thugs, huh. basically. Um, and, but Rick, whereas a couple issues ago, like he, he pushed away a potential love interest with the, we're all going to die. There's no point in loving anybody anyway. I'm sitting here. I love you. I'm, but no. <laughs> I'm loving you. Your name is not Kira. So seriously, Real World Season Eight, nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> you gotta it's oh best scene ever. And then and then he didn't leave the show for. So Where was I? Uh it, but now he's sort of changed around. He's like, you know what? We can do this. We can build a life. We can we can be happy again. And I was like, Oh, you're effed. It's gonna be great to watch that happen. Um so I enjoyed it. I I definitely I it's a little it's been a little more interesting to me than the the TV show. Um just because it, it's it's moving around a lot more. Um but it's it's the walking dead. You know what you're going to get. It's fine. All right. Finally Batman number 9 is hinting at some possible major retconning. Major. That Scott Snyder is going to embark in. <laughs> uh which we don't know for sure. But it's pasta hinting that there's the possibility that the uh, Court of the Owls killed the Waynes, which would, which would be a major sh- shift in the. Uh, and I don't well, know. Well, so it, now, how do you? So now, if he does that, and but it's still Joe Chill or Jack Napier or whatever, whoever the fuck it is, Joe, Joe Chill, yeah, whoever it is now. If it's you know, if, but he was an agent of the Talon. How do you feel about that? See, I didn't even like when they when they identified Joe Chill because to me the the thing about Batman is that it's a faceless killer out there that he's always searching for. Right. You now, know, that's sort of the metaphor of his quest for justice is to find his parents' killer. And when they found yeah, him, it yeah. kind of. When he, when he, yeah, when he, find, when he finally did find him, they identified him as a person. They found him. He put him to, brought him to justice. It's kind of like he figured that would be the end of his, mm-hmm. his personal quest. quest but yeah. it didn't. So I, mean, I, thought it was, I thought it was more powerful when it's an unknown. Because then he represents all crime in the city, and it's, yeah. it's a metaphor. But now and it's also something he can never beat, and he can right. never solve, and so he can never fix it. It's his windmill. Right. It would be his windmill. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what's funny is that I remember a number of months ago, Scott was asking these questions. On Twitter and having conversations with it, yeah, how important about is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it sounded like he was of the same mindset as you. So my guess is, uh, my hope is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that he's not going to go that way because he seemed to agree that 
you know, the the idea of the person who killed his parents is much more important than the specific of who killed his parents. I didn't even I, like the fact that that uh, the backup story is Jarvis Pennyworth, uh, Alfred's father. Uh, you know, is that a real thing? Yes, his, his father's name was always Jarvis. Okay. Back, back back to the golden age. Um, that that he was there for the Waynes, and I didn't like. I mean, I always liked the fact that Alfred basically raised Bruce. And yeah, now you've got now you've got like a little timeline. you've got a little kid Bruce with Jarvis Pennyworth, and that to me makes less of their the father son relationship changes a bit. You know, yeah, yeah. I always liked the fact that you know Alfred's been there since he was a baby, but. Now he's already basically a little kid here with, with Jarvis. So, and then Jarvis gets poached by Tony Stark. Now you know how those <laughs> Firestorm feels. Firestorm people feel. I know. <laughs> just the fucking rugs just getting ripped out beneath you. <laughs> Uh, Other than that, though, I thought it was a great issue. It was the action, you know, it was the action-packed sort of bridge issue where uh, Batman fights back, and now he realizes he can go all out because the talons aren't really alive, so he can drop Hulk giant Buster, dinosaurs his, on them. And, and his Hulkbuster armor. Right. Wait, um, now, does, the, does the dinosaur is it animatronic? Apparently, who knew? Yeah. That would be fun. I would. I would totally just. I, I'd ride that thing all the time. I would RC that thing around all over the I'd place. Just, I'd just take it to the kitchen. I built. <laughs> take it to the corner store. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tweeted. I'm going to get milk. It's going to take me a half an hour. I, t- I would. I would give a house guest a glass of water, and I would make them <laughs> sit a Ford Explorer, like a quarter mile away. <laughs> Nothing else to look at until that ripple showed up. I, um, That's a different thing. <laughs> I tweeted it earlier in the week, but hold Wolverine the X Men next to Batman. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it's very similar. The covers are very similar. I wonder if they planned that. I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very much going to doubt that. Coincidence. But this continues sure. to be probably the most popular bu- book on iFanboy. And, uh, By far. far yeah, yeah, I know. We'll get to that in a bit. But. And Grant Morrison has nothing to do with it, which is nuts. Because uh, his books are popular is what I'm saying. Um, this show is brought to you by Graphically, as are all of the things that we do. Uh, in addition to the, the member contributions. Um, now, Graphically is uh, a place where you can certainly buy and read all sorts of comics, um, but it's also a place where if you're a creator, um, a publisher of sort of any stripe uh, up or down, uh, you can find a way to get your books out to as many people as possible in as many different ways as possible. If you are interested in um, sending your stuff to all the big major digital bookstores like Amazon or um, I, iBooks or, or other books like that, um, and, and really like if you think about it, getting your stuff out of just a comic book store and getting it into the big store where more people are, where more eyeballs are, where all those wonderful devices uh, are connected to, um, then we've got a really easy way for uh, publishers and creators to do that. So if you get over to graphically.com slash partners, you can see how that works for a, a, a reasonable system that's made it easy for you to do something that was previously very, very complicated. Um, and it's a, it's a great tool for creators and publishers. And even if you just want to, even if you're, you know, you're a small creator and you just want to get your book out there, go to graphically.com, sign up, publish your book, get in, it's free to publish to the web. And you can also uh, publish it to Facebook. Um, and it helps you get, you know, show your work out there. It's great for portfolios. Um, Use your tools. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you, makes you a better commodity to sell your wares to the, to the, to the, readers and to potential publishers so yeah that that portfolio thing's really cool we've seen artists go on there and make an art book for themselves that they can then sort of distribute freely to people and it, an easy way to read it and it looks nice you can bet it anywhere yeah what is this book <laughs> <laughs> don't renounce your citizenship connor no connor the facebook right. oh. it's cooler oh that thing i know what that is right yeah, yeah. um if you've been catching up with the ending of mark wade's uh, boom books 
Um, I, I've got to say the the irredeemable side of it has lost the thread for me a little bit. It's really out there in trippy science fiction, but uh, Incorruptible, uh, the 29th issue of which came out, which I believe is the second to last issue because 37 will, will be the next Irredeemable, was the last one of those, um, came out, and it's it's much more grounded. I guess my point is, like, I've always liked that book, but it's like the other side of it, whereas Irredeemable keeps getting more metaphysical and out there and, and science fiction wacky town. Uh, Incorruptible is this weird thing where everything is corrupt except for the main character who of course used to be a really a bad guy and i just keep finding it really interesting and and fun um they've always had fairly competent artists on there um that that made it work also in in a book that a lot of people aren't really talking about anymore but it is the other side of that story it's the other side of that that coin that we're you know coming to the end of i'm guessing a three-year run on um and uh i I really enjoyed and i can't wait to see how it ends was was it the last issue of irredeemable where max damage was in it uh, it was my favorite my favorite scene with him where he walked up and there was all this big talk about what was going on with uh, Plutonian and Max Damage. He went, fuck this, I'm out of here, and turned around and left. It <laughs> was one of the recent ones. I don't think it was the last one. That was my favorite moment. Yeah, like, no, that was forget, good. forget this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, he wants nothing to do with it. He's I'm in going Bro- back to my book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Invincible 91. Invincible 91 was uh, a heck of a lot of fun in that sort of, like, Everything's out the window. We're just going to have everybody fight each other as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. Yeah, I really like dinosaurs. <laughs> a lot. It's, I mean, honestly, how dumb is that? <laughs> and I say that with all due respect. It's and dumb. affection, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, totally. And, mm. I mean, I like dinosaurs. Let's call them... Dinosaurs. What what I love is that what I love is that the um is that this plays on that idea of of just like the fighting in comic books. Yes. You know because so dinosaurs and and invincible or Mark are able to escape from the Voltramites and nobody can find them. So Adam Eve gets the new invincible and and invincible's little brother to go find him. And as soon as they arrive and see him with dinosaurs, they just start fighting. And like how many times is like stop fighting? You know. <laughs> Is is New Invincible the most stereotypical character ever? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> nah, baby, listen. Nah, baby, listen. It's more Stop. urban. I liked your hair better. Yeah. It was more urban. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that but was... it's good. It's it's always fun to read, so that's for sure. It was, and uh, Mark is not well. Yeah, not well at all. Um, over at Boom, actually, there was a new series that started this week, Higher Earth, number one, uh, with uh, art, with uh, Sam Humphreys writing it and art by, and I always get this guy's name wrong, and I want to get it right, an Italian name. Francesco Biagini. Francesco Biagini. I really like the art. I really like the, um, I really like, I really like this book. Basically, it's a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of uh, alternate universes. Uh, basically, you get the idea that uh, traveling between uh, Earths, traveling between alternate universes is possible, and we get introduced to two characters, and there's, you know, I can't tell you what's going on their swords which i think is cool um but i you know i love very purple and blue yeah yes it's very purple and blue but i I dug it i really i did enjoy it i thought it was a good start um and that that ties in within the same week that hell yeah number three came out and again playing with alternate universes and alternate you know alternate you know versions of people and alternate earths um i think this issue for those if anybody was confused about what hell yeah actually is this issue laid it out really really well um, and I'm enjoying it. So I'm enjoying the ride. I still think uh, Andre Semenowitz um, has, has got a long way to go on the art side. Um, but I think you know every now and then you see a glimmer, you see a moment of like, okay, there's what his potential is. Um, so I'm I'm um, anxiously watching it to see it uh, develop. So yeah. 
Super cool. The last uh, issue of Lobster Johnson, The Burning Hand, number five, came out this week. And this has been, without a doubt, like the most fun Lobster Johnson story I've ever read. Helped immensely. And I've said this before, but I just wanted to make sure that people knew it ended, which means that you have to if – you, if you didn't read it, and this sounds like anything you want to, the, the trade will be coming out very soon. And uh, the art by Tanji Zanzik is is really good. Really very good. It's the best art I've seen from him. And it doesn't hurt by having Dave Stewart color it, obviously. But he's a guy who who came out and he was um, – who was Jake Ellis. He was the artist on that. But he's sort of taken another step here. Or this material is just you know, a little better crafted for him or whatever. There was, there was any problem with it before. But uh, just all the way through, it's been a wonderful miniseries um, and just has that great tone of, of being in the – I guess it's the 30s. Uh, with Lobster Johnson fighting uh, like sort of almost stereotypical big fat criminals, <laughs> like crime bosses from the time. You know, so- uh, someday I'm going to sit down and just read all of this shit. I did that. I know. I've never done it. Like I don't read any of it, but someday yeah. I will. Lobster yeah. Johnson, it's, you can read on its own. It's not connected no, to yeah. the, the oh, No, I'm sure you can, but like someday I will. So <laughs> You know what I'm going to do for you, Josh? I'm going to get me some Lobster Johnson glasses, the big orange ones. And I'm just, just going to come out to my car and one I'm day be <laughs> sitting there. Tap on the window. <laughs> Dude, that would freak the shit. No, no, no. He'll be in the back seat. Yeah. Like I'd sit in the car and I'd turn it on and they just see those two round orange circles, you know, in, in my rearview mirror and just and just have a heart attack and evacuate myself right there. And then when you do that, I'll just go sleep and then I'll knock you should knock out glass gas on you and you'll and I'll leave. Yeah. yeah. Or no, you gotta burn me with a hand. <laughs> yeah, you, you burn them with a lobster crawl burning hands so those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed but more books came out and you went and read them and went to ifanboy.com slash comics and did your pull lists and came back and rated and reviewed them and made your picks of the week and our top five picks of the week of the ifanboy community lay out like this an interesting uh, top five this week I thought um, number five was Wolverine the X-Men number 10 with 3.7% of the people making it their pick of the week at the time of recording. By the time you hear this, these numbers probably changed. But right now, this moment in time, that's what it is. Number four is Fatal number five from Brewbreaker and Phillips with 3.8% of the pick of the weeks. Are we reading that? Anyone still reading that? I am. Enjoyable. I mean, but not but not like like it's good, but it not knock my socks off, blow my mind good, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Am I, Boring. One, am I the only one reading it? Or? Yeah, I dropped yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I, I'd be curious, Connor. I think you should read it in trade because I'd be curious what the trade read is like, the self-contained story type thing. But um, but yeah, I thought it was good. Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, um, number three was Frankenstein Alive. Alive, number one, uh, with 5.0% of the pick of the weeks. And if you're into Bernie Wrightson, you probably made it your pick of the week. Art alone uh, is worth it. Yeah, Frankenstein said everything he says two times. I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> Number two um, is Green Lantern with 9.6% of the pick of the week, which I was surprised by. Really? Yeah, well, knock. Um, <laughs> you didn't read it. It was uh, the, He's explaining the Indigo tribes, and it wasn't what I expected. Uh, oh, you're still reading it? I'm still reading it. Oh, I'm still, yeah, I'm still, I'm still reading it. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I thought you dropped off. Nope. And number the number one pick of the week, not not terribly surprising. Uh, Batman number nine with fifty eight point one percent of the picks of the week. <laughs> it, it's it's a drop for the book. It's okay, actually low. Still, it is, yeah. But still more than any president could hope to win in an election. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so so those are the picks of the weeks, uh, and we want to hear what you thought of your books with reviews. I will. Matt, re- I'll read it. Fine. I, I didn't have a book in the last segment. Yeah, go for it. Whose fault is that? Not mine. Maddie Batslayer reviewed Avenging Spider-Man number seven, gave a story five out of five, and the art of five out of five, and one point four percent of you made your pick of the week. And Maddie Batslayer says, "Do you like Spider-Man? 
Do you like kitties? If you answered yes to both of these, you will have a smile on your face the entire time you read this issue. I will admit that I have no real knowledge of She-Hulk because I have been reading comics for only half a year now. And one of the reasons that I love these two-in-one style team-up stories is that I could introduce the new characters who, who hang out with one of my favorites. This series has just been dynamite almost every issue for me, except with the exception of the Hawkeye one. That's because that was Greg Land. Yeah, it was painful. This, this is was, a lot of fun. This, this is like, fun. This is turning I into, love this book. Yeah. But it's going to get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sure. it's, 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 it's just this. Who, who was on it at first? Was it Joe? Uh, it was, was Joe Madawer. He did the first three issues, and then yeah. then Land, and then Lenino Francis. You did an issue, and yeah. and then, so this was the Eminens. Uh, Catherine Eminen wrote it. Stuart Eminen drew it. Yeah, uh, Zeb Wells didn't write this, so which I thought was oh. interesting. Yeah, so um, but it's gonna, it's totally gonna get canceled. I'm not. I, I would be shocked if it made it to, to ten issues. What yeah. number is this? Seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. All right, our next review is from uh, uh, appropriately user Grifter78, reviewing Grifter number nine, the new relaunch Grifter, one of the three Liefeld books that Liefeld helmed books from DC Comics. Um, and I figured, you know, the best person to tell us who, uh, whether Grifter number nine was any good was Grifter78. And he gave He's it. He's been weighing in on, on Wildstorm books all along. Wait, yeah. Grifter78 is in the bag for Wildstorm. Yes. So, so yeah, this well, will be well, interesting. Well, listen to his review. Listen to his review. Okay. And it's long, so I can't. What, read... what are the numbers on it? Well, he gave the story a two out of five and the art a one out of five. Oh That's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> that is not the Grifter78 I know. <laughs> Wait, actually, I need to check that. That number might be wrong. That might be the error in the script. I think he gave it a higher <laughs> rating. Hang on a second. <laughs> but Josh. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I have to vamp, don't I? <laughs> Just vamp. Tell but, us more uh, about Kira. <laughs> Kira, I'm telling you. She was the casting director on the show, lost her job, and then said to him, hey, now that I've lost my job, we can be together. Why don't you come with me? And he was like, ah, oh, I like being on TV. All right, I was correct. Uh, Grifter uh, 78 actually gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5. Okay. So okay. a little more generous on the art side. And here's what he had to say. The new creative team of Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry as plotters finally makes their, their debut this month. But unfortunately, a lot of the concerns fans had about this creative team are present in this issue. This mixed in with the surprisingly weak art by the normally solid Scott Clark does not make for a good beginning for this run. Those who know me... <laughs> know that next to Batman, Grifter is my favorite character. I've also been accused of being the cheerleader for all things Wildstorm related, and some we of just totally just did that. And some have discounted my reviews because they think me biased. I'll admit that I do love the Wildstorm characters, and for the most part, I've been pretty lenient when it comes to their stories. But I have to say, I was not happy with this issue of Grifter. Then he goes on to talk about it a lot, and he sums up with. This title was already on life support and it really needs something unique to get people to try it. It's frustrating as a fan because I love this character so much, but it's so hard to get people to read a book I myself am starting not to enjoy. But I am loyal and I will follow Grifter to the bitter end, but I hope Liefeld and Thierry have something big up their sleeves because this title needs serious help. I feel Thierry's an odd pairing. Yeah, it's bizarre. Just um, odd. Yeah. I did not pick up Grifter, but I did pick up Deathstroke, which was, which was interesting in its own right. <laughs> Um, interesting. Yeah. Did that, is that the one he's drawing too? Yeah, yeah, it's the one he's drawing. Yeah, mm-hmm. how's that working out for you? Pouches. <laughs> <laughs> he's so, living up to it, huh? Yeah. So go go to ifanboy.com and look up Grifter number nine. You can read Grifter seventy eight's full review. Um, it's a very honest uh, assessment of Grifter number nine, and you can read all the other reviews of the other comics over at ifanboy.com slash comics. It's too bad. I really that like book. Should have been a no brainer. Should have been. I really like Grifter. Should have been a no brainer. Yep. And and well, and they and um, they introduced Zealot in in Deathstroke, 
So like he's put and, and also Deathblow um, as well in 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 this book in in Deathstroke in, in um it's not in Deathstroke and Grifter. So they're putting in more and more of the Wildstorm stuff in these books for some reason. So. It makes me want to read a good Wildcats book. What it makes me want to read? No, doesn't it? That isn't in the DC universe. But I guess that's just wishful thinking. Let's uh let us talk about the book of the month, um which when I do it is on time every time. Just want that to be out How there. about you blow me? <laughs> It was a close call, though. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It was like Sunday night I wrote it. I was like, I guess I better do this. <clears throat> the book of the month is when it's time to change. It's time to rearrange. The book of the month for May for iFanboy.com is uh, Flex Mentalo, the deluxe edition, uh, as recently re-released, repackaged, and recolored by Vertigo and DC Comics. Will you please call by its proper title? Flex Mentalo, Man of Muscle Mystery. There you go. Colon. The deluxe edition. I tried to leave that out of the title, and then I just couldn't do it, so I went back and put it in. I also knew that you would then go and put it in, so I didn't really have a chance. Um, I have heard about this for a very long time, but I have never read it because um, it was out of print for a very long time. And some of you may remember it was. Uh, he's similar to Charles Atlas, so they were they were worried about. A threatened lawsuit. Well, no, Ron knows this story better. I, than I know this story very well. And then one of the guys that shops at Isotope that I'm friends with, he's the one who wrote the letter to the Charles Atlas people to tell them about the comic. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charles Atlas threatened uh, DC with a lawsuit, and then they took it out. They took it out of print. So I always thought that this was some sort of so it's, so it's been out of print since it came Nin- out in ninety six ninety six when I wasn't even reading comics um, and I figured well then it must be about some sort of like satirical version of Charles Atlas no not at all I mean it's not it doesn't doesn't even really seem to touch on that at all which is which is interesting what it is is. A continuation, or uh, it's actually sort of the middle of a conversation that Grant Morrison has been having in comics about comics for almost uh, two decades, over yeah. two decades. Yeah. And, you know, what was started in, in Animal Man, where it was a very sort of postmodern look at, at, you know, who's reading the comic, who's in the comic, who's creating the comic, and you'll have to read that to get a better assessment of it, um, to this, which it really is an exploration uh, in comic book form, very slyly of of the history of comic books, going through the golden age, the silver age, the modern age, and then what was considered to be the next age, which would be in the fourth issue, which we're going to talk about in, in a minute. Um, it, you know, in comic book form, and it it was very interesting and well done. I thought it was very uh, candid. Yeah. Uh, it and, was and re- some- it was really honest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. candid means. Right. It's, um, it's, it's funny. I, I haven't read this since we did Grant Morrison Week, which I believe was in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been four years. So I, I'm a little fuzzy in the details, but I did read it for that week. I wrote a review, which it got actually got a pull quote in the back, which I didn't notice until just this moment. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that either. But, it's a uh, good quote, too. It's which a good I'm, quote. Um, it's John normally, Connor. I just nice. want people at home to know that normally when we get a pull quote on the book, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like the the grammar's off. Anyway, go well, ahead. No, Sorry. those are yours. My pull quotes are always good. Or what it's you, you might like this, maybe. <laughs> um, but it really is. And people talk about people complain about Grammar. So comment from some dude on the site. <laughs> his book is is his books go really far out there and they don't always come back. Where I yeah. thought this book was one of his most successful complete works, in yeah. that it tells a full story. 
it makes sense in the end. It doesn't make sense necessarily in the beginning, but yep. but you stick to it to the very end, and it, suddenly everything makes sense. It's one of those pieces click into place books where you go, oh. Holy shit! Like yeah. this, this whole thing is a very complete work that is a commentary on the history of comics within this, this story, which is very bizarre. With and it, it, it's it's certainly not your standard fare, is what it's not just. No, and this is as I was saying, like you know, he's been having this conversation. He had it in the Super Gods book, which he just released. He had it to a certain extent in his Batman work, yeah. mm-hmm. um, sort of exploring the different parts of comics and and what comics were and what you do is you get a sense of a guy at least at the time that this was written who really is into certain aspects of comic books and not others he really liked the out there imagination and freedom that the that this um medium affords and this genre but there was definitely an annoyance with what it has become and what you know there's there's a lot of very pointed criticism of People trying to maintain the same things that they had in adolescence in the same way through these stories, yeah. and and he he sticks it to people a little bit, um, and I don't think completely you know uh, you know not just not just readers but the industry for sort of doing it over and over again and people trying to sort of go home again and I know that what we're doing is explaining themes because I couldn't tell you what the narrative is exactly I mean the basic narrative is. Um, Flex Mentalo, the hero of the beach, uh, is a made-up superhero who came from some kid's imagination, and he sees that he's in the real world, and also a friend of his, the fact, is in the real world, but neither of them should be in the real world, so he's going off to find them. And then it, it goes all over the place. Well, one of Grant's that. longtime theories is you know, bringing forth these characters into reality through, yep. their, through the creative collective consciousness, so that's what he plays with um, yeah. in the book. Um, I think it's a very it's a very interesting conversation to have. It's done very well. Like Connor says, it is it's grounded enough that it it isn't so metaphysical and strange that you can't get a hold of it. You, you can't follow the threads. Uh, it's well done. Well, I think yeah, I think I think it's one of his. Um, and I just and I'm I'm a little tired of talking about it because I was on eleven o'clock comics and we talked about it for like four. Oh, minutes. we're sorry. Oh, sorry, you're tired now that you talked about but, it, but. I'm sorry, my wife. I can't have sex with you because I've been having sex with all sorts of other people and I'm just not up for it. But if you want to listen to a better dissertation of it, go to 11 <laughs> Comics. You can, but um, what I said on that was that um, I, I really and, – and Josh, you mentioned this in your written review on the site. But like this – I see this as like the bridge between Grant's early work, like getting his feet wet in comics and then him getting, you know, okay, this is what I think of it. And this is like the real keystone between his early work and his modern work. Definitely. And I think that where this works is because it is only four issues and it is so focused and it is um, totally out there and confusing and crazy. But then it comes home and it comes together and you walk away with it. And I walked away with it with a sense of Morrison's reverence for superhero co- and comics in general and a idea of hope for the potential of them as a genre. Um, and then the other point, which we haven't mentioned upon, is just that Frank Quietly is the fucking master. What? Yes. No, and and that's actually yeah. the next part. It's 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 a complete and utter disservice to yeah. Frank Quietly that I've not mentioned him until totally, now. Totally, yes, yeah. And I I want to say that the other side of this coin, uh, and and to a certain extent, the more important side of this coin, the thing that grounds it, the thing that lets uh, Morrison explore these ideas, is the fact that he has an artist as completely and utterly rock solid as Frank Quietly. Yeah. And and one of the great things about Quietly, which is going to sound antithetical, is that we actually don't see him that often. Yep. So when we do, it's a special thing, and I don't, wa- I don't want to see him doing a monthly book. I don't want him to be teamed up with somebody. They bring you know, up the best on- of each other, really. They, yes, they really. I, I mean, they really, really do. I mean, it's really kind of eerie. And the other thing to oh, think, the other thing to think about this, this came out in 1996. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the, think about that. We always talk about how shitty the nineties were. This came out in ninety six. Number the two. Shitty, the, no, I'm sorry. The shitty no, thing about it though, what is is that his his idea of of where comics are in a modern sense haven't changed since then. Well, yeah, yeah, well, we made. I mean, I, I think we're. I think it's going slower than he had anticipated. But like yeah. genres and different genres. Like uh, honestly, I think you know, like the stuff that's been happening more recently in the past couple of years is starting to come to fruition with what his hope for with the medium was in that fourth it's issue. Being produced, but it's not yeah. being consumed at a rapid enough. Sure. Rate. Yeah. No. Exactly. The, pr- the production, but not the not the mainstream acceptance. But back to quietly. I, I agree with that. Back to quietly. This was ninety six. Look at the comics we just talked about today. Does mm-hmm. anything look like this? No. Ninety six. No. I one of the things Amazing. that I was struck by is that, um, and I, I mentioned this in my review, is that I think that you, you see a lot of people have a, an up or down uh, reaction to Frank Quitely's work. They either really like it or really not. I, I think that in order to understand it fully, um, you have to you have to be a little bit of a student of comics, and you have to watch what it is he's doing. You have to understand how it works, and what. You know, if there's anything, that's what I am. It's what I'm. You know, I study comics. That's what I, I look at them. I try to understand them. I, what you stand for? It's what I stand for. It's what I am. Um, and stop, stop. And what I see when I look at Frank Quitely is this really interesting combination of the past and the future, yeah. and on a comic book page at the same time. I see, I can see the golden and silver age work in his work. Yeah, almost more than than anybody else out there. He's got you know, he's got whatever you know that sort of odd rawness that Kirby had but at the same time there's something modern about it because nobody else's work looks like that it's it's you know it's I don't I don't want to use something as simple as detailed but when he puts stuff on the page I feel like it's there for a reason and when you look at it just on a surface level it looks a little odd um but it works it works so well and it's so interesting that I don't know who else could handle a script like this yeah I I don't know who could and 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 it's um incredibly well thought out and the designs are really interesting and you know, the, the description of Muscle Man of the Beach really undersells it. Yeah, no, it really does. I Which mean, it's, not you're, it's not what you're expecting. When I first read it, it I, I didn't know what to expect at all. And then when I, you know, from the from the cover, Muscle Man of the Beach, Dude Flex Mentalo was a Doom Patrol character. Uh, is not what you expect. You don't expect yeah. this sort of deconstruction of comics and, and it to work so well as a narrative. Yeah, it's really, it, it, it deserves all the hype it's gotten. Uh, absolutely. Um, it was it was a pleasure. It was uh, it was an absolute like, and it was just it was thoughtful, and it wasn't bitter, because um, it's really easy to satirize uh, comics yeah. and and be uh, uh, you know negative about it. I guess, and it's not that by any stretch of the imagination. But it's it, but it's it's not it's not a simple read. It's dense. It's thoughtful. It makes you makes you work at it and think about it a little. Why I'm reading it? You try to just read it on the surface. You're not going to like it. I mean, and, and the, yeah, and the, the thing is, is that like Grant Morris, Grant Morrison comic is a challenge to read. It can be challenging. Sure. And and some you know sometimes it's more out there and challenging and difficult for people. The filth. Sometimes it's it's a little easier and a little you know easier to swallow. Probably X Men, I think, is or JLA. JLA is probably probably he did right after. Yeah, it's his most accessible kind of work. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like you're better for it. Like if you take if you take the time to sit down on Flex Mentalo, you I guarantee you will be better for the experience because yes, it's out there and yes, it's metaphysical and yes, and all this kind of crazy ideas. But like I said, I walked away with such a 
uh, a feeling of love for comic books that I don't know how you know like it's I don't know how you cannot get that like even at the even the, this deluxe edition cover and there's Flex standing there keeping back the pages of comics I mean that like comics are are, are consuming them that that is such a metaphor for what you know kind of Grant's and and position is with this book. So, uh, a couple of quick notes. Um, I, th- this was recolored. Uh, that's sort of, and there's been a little bit of yeah. you know controversy back and forth. I never saw the old book. I didn't know what it looked like. This color looked fine to me. Yeah. Well, I think part of it was that a character change ethnicity through the color. I think that was one. Of the oh, problems. is that yeah. it? Yeah, that was one of the things. But I don't. I, but yeah, I'm. I'm that's not. T- I, either way, yeah. uh, listen. If color doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't what it see like color. Before. I don't see. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see color. Uh, but it's a good, you know, it's a good looking book. This this book looks. If this book came out today, I wouldn't be like, oh, this book looks almost 20 years old. Yeah. No, because it's not even not even close to that. I think if you if you don't like Grant Morrison's uh, metaphysically stuff, don't read this. You're not going to like it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if you do, or you're on the fence about it, then read it. Yeah. Because you know, you know if you've read stuff and you're like, oh, that's not, that's well, not. Well, and if you've read Super Gods but haven't read this, you have to read this. Absolutely. This is, this is almost like a graphic novel chapter of Super Gods. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so good. I'm so glad you picked this book of the month. Awesome. Yeah, great yeah. book of the month. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, go to ifanboy.com, read Josh's Book of the Month review. It's right there for you, waiting for you. Um, all right, we're running a little long because we did the Book of the Month, but we're going to skip emails, but we will take a voicemail. Um, and this uh, Tim from Rhode Island has got a question about a creator. Hey, hi, fanboy. Uh, this is Tim V. from Rhode Island. Uh, long-time caller, first-time listener. Uh, I just wanted to ask you I uh, recently just uh, read uh, Batman vs. Bane, uh, which was, I thought was a great book by uh, Chuck Dixon, and it got me to wondering, uh, why isn't Chuck Dixon more widely popular? Like, I feel like uh, he's done so many great things, and Batman, and Robin, and Birds of Prey. Like he's a really solid writer. He's done a ton of great stuff, but I feel like no one ever talks about him. Like you, you talk about great Batman writers, people are like, oh, this is Frank Miller and uh, Denny O'Neill and stuff. That, but uh, like no one ever seems to mention Chuck Dixon. I don't know. I, I just think he's great, and uh, I was wondering what you guys think about him and uh, why he's not uh, more widely accredited. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, keep up the good work. It is it is kind of puzzling what has happened to Chuck Dixon. Um, for a long time, he was a big deal. He wrote all, almost all the oh. Batman books at once, which included Batman and then all the side character books: Robin, Nightwing, Birds of Prey. Yeah. He started he started Birds of Prey. Um, those were and those books were as good as those books have ever been when he was doing all yeah. of them. Yeah. What I think, I mean, there's lots of reasons why he's gone. He's just disappeared. He still writes. He writes GI Joe right now. He writes, yeah, yeah. He's, but he, he's not gone out of comics. One of the reasons why he's out of the consciousness, I think, is because there was a boom in the early part of the 2000s where a lot of people joined up with comics, and he to- chose that moment to leave DC and go to CrossGen, which was a new company out of Florida, and it it took a, like Mark Wade went there and George per- Perez, and he just sort of never came out. He came back, but then stuff happened. But he, I think he took chose the exact wrong moment to leave the mainstream comic world and and go to yeah. other thing. And then Crush Gem was an experiment. He never sort big... of recovered from that how leaving having left DC right when the, the last sort of influx of readers came. So a lot of people don't even know who he is or what he did. I mean, how important he was to the DC universe for a long time. He for a long time. It's interesting that a lot of the artists came out of Cross Gen stronger and better. 
mm-hmm. than they had been before they went in, and they were sort of let back in. But the writers took a little while to get. Even Mark Wade took a little while to sort of yeah to get, the get going back, get, after yeah. that. Um, yeah. And maybe it was you know because you left the company and well, went Dixon, to do something else. Dixon came back, but it was the stuff he did for DC wasn't as good as the stuff he used to do. He wrote yeah. a couple of things, and then he he left very very yeah. quickly in, in a huff. huff. Yeah. Well, he was fired was his contention. Or maybe yeah. he didn't say it, but he, I'm no longer working for DC as of right now. It yeah, was all of a sudden. we never found out why he got fired. Yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, he's been doing G.I. Joe. And tell you something, he's real good at G.I. Joe. Like yeah. his G.I. Joe stuff is solid. It's not like run to the store and get this, but it's solid if you like that kind of thing. There's, there's almost nobody. Uh, he's right up there with military stories, that guy. you know. Um, but if we've been doing he, this show in the, in the late 90s, mm-hmm. then, first of all, we'd be super rich. Second of all... <laughs> Uh, super, super rich. Well, well it'd be gone by now. Okay. We would have we innovated podcasting. And, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, we would have talked about him every week. Yeah, because yeah. He, he he was doing five or six books. They were all super good. He was in the Batman world, right? He he, was, he, yeah. he owned the entire Batman world. He did he did one of the Batman books plus the plus all of the sidekick books. We would have talked to him every week. Yeah, but uh, it just so happens that he he left to go cross gen and 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 then sort of never recovered yeah. for very whatever reasons. Uh, so he'd be still out there. He's just not. He's people don't know people who came on Civil War around that time don't know who he is or why. Sound like Kevin Bacon and JFK. But mm. also, there's a people don't know. Man, they got to know the truth. <laughs> you know why you don't know anything? Because you never been. Anyway. All right, anyways, uh, Mr. Garrison. So fine looking man, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> so if you've got any questions, a for man us? like to make more of himself than he is, especially in. Anyway, if you got any questions for us, you can email us at contact.fanboy or call one eight eight fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. Awesome. Okay. Cool. cool. So we talked about Flex Metallo, written by Grant Morrison. As some of you might have heard, that um, I'm actually working on a project uh, with my friends uh, who run the Ice Top Comics in San Francisco. We're putting on a comic convention called Morrison Con. Um, we hope that you all can make it. It's in September, September twenty eighth to the thirtieth in Las Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel. And uh, tickets are on sale now. Grant Morrison joined by Jim Lee, Jonathan Hickman, uh, Gerard Way, Frank Quitely, J.H. Williams III, and Chris Burnham. And we've still got more guests to announce. Um, so t- you can get your tickets now. Get them. They're going quickly. Um, and we hope that you can make it. Check out MorrisonCon.com for all the info. It's a small, intimate show. Small, intimate show. Yeah, it's going to be less than 1,000 people are going to attend. So if you ever and wanted it's... to meet any of those creators, now's your chance. So, And also... Now's your chance to hear about Nightwing. <laughs> I talked to uh, writer Kyle Higgins about Nightwing number nine on iFanboy Don't Miss, and it's going to be coming out on Monday uh, uh, tomorrow after you listen to this, if you're listening on a Sunday. Um, you can go to iFanboy.com and you can listen to it there, or you can subscribe to iFanboy Don't Miss in iTunes, and where you can hear interviews of creators talking about a book that you absolutely need to pick up when it comes out on Wednesday. And really interesting to, t- to hear about the whole Night of the Owls uh, from Kyle Higgins' perspective, um, and he has some choice words about Scott Snyder. So, Ooh, yeah. Mm. That guy, that guy is—he's working in Chuck Dixon's shadows. What he's doing? Yep. And that's not a bad thing. But you know, he's—that's the world Chuck created. Oh, uh, Make Comics Podcast is the comic book comic podcast that I do on Wednesdays. Uh, well, I do it before that, but you hear it on Wednesday with Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience. Andy was an editor uh, at IDW and before that uh, at Marvel for a while. And he knows all sorts of good, important things, and, and I ask him questions because I make most of the stuff I know up. Uh, <laughs> we like to take a topic about wanting to break into comics uh, in very many different um, disciplines, writers, artists, all that kind of stuff, and, and try to shed a little light on it for a little while. It has its own feed now. If you've been getting it on the main uh, iFanboy feed, make sure to resubscribe um, to the new feed. The links are on the most recent show, or you can search you know, iTunes for, for Make Comics and iFanboy. You'll find it. 
Um, and uh, that's all I have about that. Cool. And you can find all that at ifanboy.com. You can find Josh's Book of the Month review. You can find my Pick of the Week review. You can find the Don't Miss podcast. You can find everything that's awesome about comic books uh, at ifanboy.com. Updated daily with new posts and new – we've got tons of previews and articles and discussions and all this great stuff. Just enjoy the world of comics while you're there. Go to ifanboy.com slash about where you can find us as well as all the other contributors to ifanboy and follow us on social media and all that fun stuff. But if you want to stay in touch with ifanboy, follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and on Facebook at facebook.com slash ifanboy wait, wait facebook <laughs> what is that what is that you don't wait, know wait, do, we, do we have a do we have a friendster page no we never did it no friendster was gone before we started we do have a myspace page that's out there i think verb yeah <laughs> verb uh i never signed up for that i knew i had the stink of death about it you can email us at contact that i fanboy I, email is something that old people use uh, before they had texting and Facebook. Uh, or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, uh, which is 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. But seriously, don't ask me a question. I can just look up on Wikipedia. That's not fun for anyone. No. There it is. Yeah. I said it. That's a pet peeve, damn it. Also, so we've got... What issue we, is... No, you look that up. You don't need that for me. We've gotten a surprising number of people calling us um, asking about to buy comics. And th- we don't sell comics, so we're not... Whoa, we don't whoa, buy whoa, or whoa. sell yeah. any, anything that's manufactured or yeah. processed. Yep. I don't know. I don't want to sell or, or buy those things. But if you want to make an offer, you know, <laughs> got boxes. Like they got to move. <laughs> you know. Are they priced to move? They could be. Let's okay. talk. What do you? How much you got? I'm not. Gonna I don't. Say I number. certainly don't want them. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sending them I to have your a, house. I have a 110 pound box in my garage full of stuff that, that Connor sent me, and I can't move it. Have you opened? I, I, did you open it? Do you know what's? I in looked it? in it. Yeah, yeah. I just haven't okay, figured out so how to we move can, it. We confirm that Connor's sister's not in the box. Yeah, no, she's not. Okay. Well, she might be at the bottom. I didn't dig. It's really heavy. Did you like the puppy? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Excuse me. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you like the show, go to iTunes, write a review for the show, for the Don't Miss Show, for the now the uh, Make Comics podcast, which has its own feed. So write a review. Be the first to write a review for Makes Comics on iTunes. Yeah, go find it on iTunes, subscribe, and, and write a review. Yeah. yeah, so do that for uh, any of the shows you enjoy, not just our shows, any podcast you enjoy. It's the, it's the easiest way to help out uh, the shows that you listen to and enjoy. Uh, help find the new audience and grow and continue on. Yep. Hells yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening and enjoying this uh, fun time. Uh, Josh is gone, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Oh, I'm here. I'm, I'm Kira. I like, how it, I like how it fizzled right there. Well, thanks for listening. I guess. I'm loving you. Loving you, Kira. <laughs> I'm sitting here telling you. I'm giving you everything. And it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you are under 30, you got no idea. Well, maybe, maybe younger. 25? I don't know. What are the kids like? <laughs> All the new real world is just sex orgies yeah, and, yeah, and hot bad. tubs and drunkenness. We never used to have that in the old days. In the old days, we dealt with the uh, racial stereotyping and, <laughs> and high waisted jeans. <laughs> Miss Notnose is on her way to becoming Mrs. Evans. Both of us climb into our Mercedes two seater and head for the town hall in Riverside. Afterward. We uncorked one magnum of dot after the other. Where are the courthouse lawn? And did we get loaded? We had a long two-day honeymoon in Palm Springs. I held Allie tight in my arms. 
I love you, Evans. I love you. Forever, Evans. Forever. I whispered back, forever, darling. And promise me, never leave me. I promise you, baby, I won't. Not even for two weeks. <laughs> Not for one kid.